everyone, and welcome to Fire and Forte and the Sustainability Special. I hope you're having a really good week. Today, I'm delighted to introduce Charmaine Dalwamp. Hi, Charmaine. How are you? Hi, Hannah. Thank you so much for having me today. I'm so happy to be here. I mean, we've just been having such a giggle before pressing record, so it feels as though we're now in front of, you know, I don't know, a head teacher or something, doesn't it? And that we're trying to behave. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, but anyway, it's Friday morning and we're in a great mood. So that's great. And um, Charmaine, you're a sustainability leader and I already know that you absolutely love your job. I was wondering if you could share a bit more about you, your role and how you got to where you are today. Uh, absolutely. It would be my pleasure. So um, I always say that sustainability happened to me and, and I'll explain that as I go along. Um, when I finished school, I decided to pursue a career in food science. So I studied that and got into the industry, started working. And after a few years, uh, I got a degree in quality management. And that was pretty much the career path that I was following. And I thought, this is this is where I'm going. This is what I'm doing. This is what it's going to be. Um, and while working in industry, I had an opportunity to get into R&D, into franchise operations. And those were great opportunities because from there, uh, it led to this pet project um, that was around sustainable packaging. Uh, and at the time, we didn't have enough resources to go around. There was a big mandate globally around sustainable targets. And we were asked uh, as a BU to deliver recycled PET in our bottles. So it was a bit scary. It was a bit intimidating. I didn't know much about sustainability. I didn't know anything about sustainability. Uh, but there was this drive for results that was there. And since this project was hanging, it just kind of felt niggly to me. So I stuck my hand up and I said, okay, um, I already have a plate full, but you know what, let me dig into this and figure out what this means, what it's all about, what needs to happen. Um, and that curiosity and being inquisitive led to finding out how recycled PET is made, the facilities in country, do we even have it? What are the approval processes internally? I was literally just uh, uncovering all of these processes and technologies that existed um, and working with some great colleagues in the business that were like-minded, wanted to deliver upon the results. Uh, and that led to a successful commercial launch of our, our pet bottle in market. Uh, and what do you know, it was the first in the sector and it was a great target to achieve for our business overall. Uh, there were lots of happy uh, stakeholders along the way. Uh, and that's that's when I knew, out, out of that experience, I knew this is where I'm meant to be. This feels right. This is where I belong. This is what I want to be doing with my life. Uh, and a few months afterwards, uh, opportunity became available officially in sustainability. And needless to say, I jumped onto it. And uh, the rest is history, as they say. And you had a live interview, I suppose, because you'd had access to that project. In that project that you did, which congratulations, by the way, to be able to say you've got one of the first products in market of a certain material is, well, it's forging the way, isn't it? And it's not just good competitively, but it's also setting a new standard for other manufacturers. But I was wondering within that project, what skills you'd um, found that you had that were just really useful in that space? 
I think over the years, definitely being in a supply chain environment uh, has helped immensely building up towards that role. Uh, we were already working on water targets, energy targets, uh, just by way of productivity, because that's the language that we speak in sustainability. But then as we grew along the journey and we realized no, it's not just about saving money, it's about resource con conservation for the environment and the planet. And then it took a different turn. Uh, but all along in quality, I've always been involved in data handling, trend analysis, risk assessments, and those things are important in a sustainability environment. Um, I've also had the, the opportunity to work with external stakeholders, and in this space you find there's a changing landscape when it comes to legislation, there's new legislation, changes to legislation that impact your strategy and your plans, and you have to be able to work with external policymakers, with regulators, with partners, with competition, because such is the nature of sustainability targets that you can't do it alone or in isolation. So the skills that I've acquired over the years in this space have definitely helped me along the way. Uh, but what I, I noticed as I got into the role and as I was working in the space was that it was important to build a strategic mindset because along the way you're looking at what do I do now to achieve goals, but you've also got long-term targets and mid-term targets to work towards. So skills that were definitely important to acquire along the way were strategic thinking uh, and communication. Uh, the ability to communicate clearly, concisely, be crisp with your messaging, because quite often you're dealing with a vast audience and everyone has a specific message that they need to grasp and you need to take something out of that. So you need to be very clear what you want out of that conversation, that presentation, that meeting, that session. Is it for training and education? Is it because you want to let leadership know that they need to support you in removing boundaries to achieve your targets? Uh, is it because you're asking for financial investment? So it's 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 very, very uh, crisp, concise, and having your, your communication tailored to what it is that you want to land when you leave that meeting or that session. I can tell that you've got very good communication skills. So that's probably been, <laughs> I was just thinking, she, I think she might have had media training as well. Have you had media training? I have not. But uh, it is a skill that I continue to work at because I see the importance of it in, in every job that I've had along the way um, in order to garner support and get uh, people to buy into the vision, into the messaging. Uh, it's something that I realized very quickly when I got into industry that communication is key and there is an art to it. Uh, and so the book must be very popular, The Art of Communication, because it, it really is, uh, it is an imperative when you work uh, across many different fields and sustainability is no different. So I continue to work at it every day. Yeah, um, top marks for me, um, if that counts. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it's a, it's an influencing job. It sounds, at a, in one sense, influencing is incredibly important. And you talk about the multiple stakeholders that you've had to manage. How would you recommend someone deal with different people's objectives that might be different to sustainability because I'm imagining that although you might have looked at things like productivity someone else might have very different objectives to what sustainability is so there's often a pace in in our in industry which is target driven have you ever had to influence um or, or work with 
stakeholders that have different objectives and have you got any top tips about how someone might be able to either move skills into that space or to manage those kind of situations? I think in a sustainability role with a corporate context and working in industry, from that perspective, you'll be working with individuals and influencing without having any direct reports. And that's a complex skill to gain uh, because we all have PDR objectives and KPIs uh, to drive. And if those goals are not aligned at a senior leadership level, if those sustainability objectives are not agreed and aligned at a shareholder perspective, cascaded down from the board through senior management, down through all levels within the organization, you will create a rod for your back because it will be an extremely difficult task to move along the line, across the line. So it starts with me very importantly from the top, making sure that those sustainability KPIs are embedded in the organization, in the culture, in the ways of working, in the must-win battles, in the objectives, and having that then be cascaded through the organization. I'm a firm believer in processes, procedures, and systems. Uh, it takes out the need for people to unnecessarily fight for competing priorities in an organization. So if we're crystal clear that these are our objectives, this is what we need to achieve, and it's cascaded through the organizations, it's built into everyone's objectives, then everyone's working towards a common goal. It may look differently. It may feel like uh, someone that's working in a utilities job, for example, is working on saving water in the plant. Uh, but that actually feeds into your sustainability program. So as a sustainability leader, you need to pick up those nuggets and formalize that program for the business and make it make sense to the different tiers and the different levels. And then we're all working towards the same common goals. And that's that's the best way to do it. I've seen I've seen sustainability sit with individuals within an organization with a sole responsibility to drive it, and it doesn't work. In my opinion, it doesn't work. I mean, I'm open to uh, opinions and to hear from someone else that may feel differently about it, but certainly uh, in my experience, it doesn't work having it housed within a particular role. It has to filter through the organization and feel that it is a part of everyone's responsibility to drive. Excellent guidance there. Clarity seems to be a principle that would be if everyone has complete clarity on what sustainability is there to do and their role in it, then everyone's more able to support each other to deliver those goals. I'm also observing ESG being now so integral to companies' strategies that actually if your role is to influence senior stakeholders first, I, I think that's a really good point that you make around if you get that stakeholder engagement at the top, it then cascades down. In your view, is our ESG goals now much more visible? And does that make be, moving into a sustainability role maybe a little bit more straightforward because you're not just fighting the cause over there in your green corner, but actually it's it's probably very visible to shareholders as well. Have you got a view on ESG targets and how they might help? So so people interchangeably use the terms, but there, there is a vast difference between sustainability and ESG. And one would argue that sustainability fits under ESG because it is the broader framework that speaks to environmental goals, social and governance. Uh, and it's the framework that addresses a much larger portfolio than just primarily sustainability. And yes, I've seen over the years 
uh, an increasing demand for sustainability professionals and increasingly organizations build ESG within their corporate framework, uh, so much so that it becomes an imperative to succeed and it's built into their culture, their mission, their vision statements. Um, there's huge campaigning around it. Uh, there's webinars and talks and educating the entire organization. There's competitions and prizes to create excitement around it. Uh, and many organizations are doing different things to embed sustainability. Um, and I've seen as well a lot of corporate policy individuals public policy roles get involved with lobbying on the legislation side so that it is not biased, but fair to all stakeholders within the system. Uh, and that's been an interesting dynamic as well that I've been involved through never was previously, but in the role, seen the role of legislation and policy in influencing how organizations achieve targets. Um, and, and I think everyone in that space is then getting on board in the way that they can get on board in their specific function to drive sustainability targets for an organization. So it's definitely getting a lot easier, if that's the right word to use, because everyone's buying into the sustainability agenda more than in previous years. And of course, the roles for delivering on those sustainability uh, goals are expanding as well. So getting into the sustainability field is it's complex because I hear a lot of my friends and colleagues say it's tough where do you start where do you begin where do you look who do you go to um, and I would say because the space is evolving and expanding so rapidly social media there are a ton of individuals that are posting on relevant ESG and sustainability content you just have to click on any one of those links and there are so many individuals in the space that are willing to direct you to training programs or graduate programs or internships or free training material that's available that would be my first go-to and advice for people wanting to get into a sustainability field uh, the second thing is if you can and you are able to then um, pursue an academic qualification uh, through a tertiary institution. There are so many causes available, short-term, long-term, full-time, part-time, online, remote, uh, in-class. There's, there's so many options available. If you're able to do that, get a good grounding, get a solid foundation, and then you can work in a practical experience with an industry. And if you're already in industry, there are so many programs, tasks, activities that your organization would be working on. So volunteer, pick up your hand, ask to be a part of a team. It may mean you need to take it, take on the role initially in an expanded form over and above your day-to-day -day role, or take it on as a critical experience as some organizations frame it. Or you may have an opportunity to go into it full-time, six months, three months, whatever your organization has in place, whatever that framework is, stick up your hand and volunteer. The best way is to get into it and get practical experience and learn from the people that are already working in the field. And once you get into it, then it's, it becomes so much easier to navigate the terrain, to understand the differences between the different pillars, how ESG is framed, the targets for regenerative agriculture, for water, for climate, for sustainable packaging, the people impact. Once you're in the field, it becomes a lot easier to navigate uh, that terrain. And then you can decide which path you'd like to pursue. Brilliant advice there. And actually, that's a good question to think, what if someone was not in industry, but they really do care for the planet? Maybe they're going back to work after having a break for having children, for example. What are the different pillars? Uh, are, the, are they quite defined? And what areas outside of industry um, can we relate those to, whether it's you know recycling or, or some broad themes? 
So under ESG, you'd have so much that you could get involved in. If I if I look at the lens of the ESG framework within sustainability and the role that sustainability has within the broader framework, if I talk about just the water pillar, for example, um, we look at as industry, how much of water we utilize in our manufacturing facility and are we using it efficiently? So basics, leaks, making sure you use nozzles that don't express as much water as you could. So you're using them efficiently in the right nozzles for the right applications for cleaning. Uh, if you have a leak in the facility, fix it immediately. Um, and you look at those little, those tactics that help in a manufacturing environment. So that's the pure KPIs that you would look at in terms of how am I not wasting and how am I conserving my resources. But then you look at it with a social lens and you look at access to safe water. So there are many, many countries around the world, communities that don't have access to safe water. And as a responsible corporate citizen, you have a role to play in ensuring that you do create an opportunity for individuals to have that access. And so that's the social piece that you would work with to look at to say, okay, I'm looking at water broadly, but under the framework of water, there is KPIs that I can achieve under my supply chain wing. And then there's replenishment, uh, which is talking about the water that you utilize in your operations, replenishing it back into the environment. And you can work with many NGOs and third parties to achieve that target. And that's speaking to the planet piece. And then the social or the people piece, like I've mentioned, is the how do we create access to the safe to safe water for many of those communities? So that's just the one pillar, which is water. And there's so much that can be done and that you have to frame your thoughts and targets around. And the similar approach would apply to climate uh, and sustainable packaging. Um, and you can then expand the lens of what am I doing within industry? What am I doing from a social lens? And what am I doing in terms of policy that allows us all to achieve those targets together? Because Again, like, I've earlier, like I mentioned earlier, this isn't about an individual organization's targets. It isn't about an individual's targets. This is about everybody working together for the common good of our one planet that we all live in. And we all have to make sure we have sustainable resources to turn to and leave for our children and the generations to come. Excellent. It's a nice way to think frame your own thinking as well to look at something that you're interested in if that was to be water or sustainable packaging and then think about impact to planet impact to people and the social impact that you mentioned and then the uh, in area of policy so if you're researching this space I think that that really helps structure your thinking to actually see what really lights you up as well around those areas correct I wondered what your opinion was and your experience of the role of technology in sustainability. I think uh, technology has definitely helped across the board, right? Not just in sustainability and allowing functions to achieve, achieve their targets faster and more efficiently. And it's no different in the sustainability space. Uh, I know I spoke a lot earlier about recycled PET and the technology that came from that to enable us as individuals to now have a packaging material that would otherwise end up in waste in landfill and have to recover that and reuse that through the technology by cleaning it up, making it a quality food safe product that can go back into our original bottles. Uh, that piece of technology just allowed us to achieve sustainability targets. Um, the same can be said about renewable energy 
fleet electrification. Uh, all of these technologies enable us in the sustainability field to go faster and efficiently. And, and, and most importantly, these are ambitious targets because we can see the impact of climate change already on our livelihood. Uh, the amount of damage to people, homes, communities, farming. Um, and so we know that it is imminent and we need to act fast. And so techno technology is definitely helping us get there a lot quicker. Um, a bit of a controversial topic, maybe I'm not sure whether I should mention it or not, but you know what, let's go there, let's talk about it. It's always good to talk about things. So CDR or carbon dioxide removal technology at the moment is, is quite controversial because people are for it or against it. And what it is, it's basically technology that removes carbon dioxide from the, uh, the, 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 the air. So we remove it from the environment. And there's a lot of pros and cons purely because we believe that uh, there's other technologies that we can utilize first before we go to these extremes mm -hmm. uh, and they should be used as a last resort. So I think following from that trend, my one caution around technology is that the technology is available and we have it as uh, to use, but we need to be responsible human beings when we advocate for those technologies and how we deploy them. They need to be advocated and delivered at the right time in the right way. And it needs to make sense because we cannot compromise on, for example, one KPI to achieve another KPI. So if we're making advances in packaging, we cannot do it at the cost of climate targets. They need to work as a balanced system and we need to make sure that the technology that we are using is not compromising in one area to achieve targets in another area. It has to be balanced. Um, and with the many industries today that are investing in startups and investing in uh, tech startups more specifically for sustainability, I think we have a responsibility as well to guide that technology so that it is delivering on the intent uh, and it isn't just a quick win or a short term fix. That's being responsible with the technology. A, a very useful point. And if I can test my understanding, when you talk about being responsible citizens, is that making sure that, well, can we not put the carb, extra carbon into the atmosphere in the first place, rather than put it in there and then use the technology to remove it? Is that is that what you're referring to, whether we look at our systems being more efficient, first of all? That would be our guiding principle, but to build on that as well, because it's you know, it's literally impossible. There's an article that's come out this week uh, from Shell, I think it is, talking about moving away from fossil fuel completely if we had to uh, meet our emissions targets. Uh, and that's quite a big ask of an industry uh, to do that. So we understand in some cases it's literally impossible, if not near difficult, to achieve some of those KPIs. So in those cases, after you've exhausted all your options, use the existing framework and the technologies that exist like renewable energy forms that have proven to be successful in this area to at least reduce emissions or cut down the emissions that you would otherwise use uh, through traditional technologies um, or traditional practices. And then your last resort should be uh, going the route of some technologies that you might find to be covering up the problem rather than, than treating the symptoms or attacking the root cause of the problems. I think that's, that, that's exactly what uh, where we're getting at when we talk about the technology to say, don't take the shortcut, like do the right thing because 
this is what sustainability is in the first place. So let's stick to the overarching principle of doing the right thing in the right way. Doing the right thing in the right way. I do like that as a guiding principle. And it is slowing down in a fast-paced world, would be my observation from what we're saying, what you're saying, which is researching your options as opposed to maybe we've been so busy to chase an end result that that's meant speed over doing the right thing whereas this is potentially explore all your options first before putting that emission or creating that output I guess we're in this position because we didn't necessarily know what we were doing in the past and manufacturing etc has created this problem and now we're like oh we know the size of the problem now we need to do things differently Absolutely. But let's now that we've got a chance to fix it and we're aware of our impact on the planet, let's not stuff it up again. Let's do things in a way that's sustainable because I guess, like you're saying, we get so carried away with the targets and what needs to be done that we forget sometimes that integrity should always be the moral compass. It should be the guiding decision behind all of the choices that we make in any field and not just sustainability. So, so yeah, that's the overriding principle, the overarching principle integrity let it be your your compass do the right thing i mean guidance for life there not just in sustainability i think so thank you now you're clearly incredibly passionate about sustainability and i think it's hard to listen to you without and not want to work in this space but i uh, wondered if there was anything well what your top areas that excite you about sustainability uh, and working in the space in the next in the next few years you know, when I initially said to you, when I, I got into this opportunity for Recycle PET, it felt right and it felt like this was the right thing to do. I think it stems back to the way we grew up as children and uh, coming from the, the communities that I, I grew up in. Uh, we were always taught to use our resources sparingly uh, because we, we didn't come from a very wealthy home and a wealthy community. So we had to have, make sure that everything that we had was used efficiently and could go around for everybody because we had that sense of community as well. Uh, and, and even though it started off because of, of those reasons, but I think the principles still remained, I mean, up until now, and even as an adult, when I grew up uh, and got into work and my own life and my own family, those were the things that I was saying to my own kids, switch off lights if you're not in the room, don't leave the taps running while you brush your teeth, don't take long showers. It was just there at the back of my mind, uh, stemmed from the financial side of it and, 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 and making sure there was enough for everybody, but translated into a sustainability space later on. And I think that that's, for me, just like a way of life now. So the, the, the pull on my heart and sustainability is driven by the fact that it feels right. I think that was my doorbell that you heard in the background. I know, you might need to go and get that. <laughs> As a family. And so what I'm excited about in sustainability and what gets me going every morning is that ability to make an impact. Knowing that I can make a difference, a real difference in the lives of so many people. Uh, when you uh, work on the social side of ESG um, and you go into some of those communities and you just... It's priceless, a feeling when you go into those communities and you look at the smiles on those faces having changed their lives for the better. That is what I live for. 
and, and that makes me come home every day, look into the mirror, look at myself and feel proud, go to bed and have a good night's sleep uh, and wake up every morning wanting to get back into it because you can really see the impact that you've had uh, across the board just by driving the sustainability targets and to get paid for it is the bonus so what a joy <laughs> yeah rewarding both in your heart and also in your bank account which is <laughs> the ideal combination I did see an article recently that said sustainability is often referred to now as thing as behaviors that were just considered normal to our parents and to our grandparents. And you think, yeah, I, you know, you never would have dreamt of getting a disposable coffee. It would have been, it wouldn't have been a nice or something that you would have done. You would have taken a packed lunch and it would have been in Tupperware back in the day. So okay. I definitely relate to what you're talking about, about the way that you were brought up as well. Um, amazing. Very inspiring to get into the sustainability space. There seems like there's lots of opportunities. And I'm wondering if if someone was to come to you and for a job, and if you were going to interview them, I am wondering if you could maybe share what you'd be looking for, both from an attitude and from a previous experience point of view. Uh, perhaps they're a lady in their 40s fire and forte uh, what kind of what kind of things would you be um be looking for from their yeah the way that they come across and the experience that they bring in in my time in sustainability i've met colleagues that come from a variety of backgrounds so that's the first bias that i wouldn't have because i've seen people come into the role from chemical engineering to a quality like myself, environmental background, marketing, finance, uh, and they've all made it work. They've come into the roles, making it an absolute success, smashing their targets uh, and making such an impact in the organization. Uh, and, it, and I think there's some things in common that they all have and we all have, and that is a real understanding that this space is constantly changing. So you have to have an appetite for learning. You have to want to continue to upskill, to develop yourself, to put yourself out there, sometimes cold calling, um, to get into organizations and people to figure out what's happening in the space. And you have to be comfortable with that. Um, so th that's the first thing for, I think, myself or many interviewers in the space looking for individuals that have an appetite to constantly learn. Uh, you can't be stagnant in this field or feel like you've arrived and it's gonna be complacent from here on. Uh, there's that happening in the background. The targets are ambitious and they require you sometimes to uh, commit your time into learning uh, and to developing uh, and to building a network, uh, a network of people that you can learn from because in this space, we form partnerships and coalitions because we have common goals. So the ability or having a comfort level working with internal and external stakeholders, knowing that communication is going to be a big part of what you do every day. Um, and I think passion, passion overrides skills, qualifications. Uh, it's having people understand that this is a space that you can make a real impact and make a difference. Is it a job that you just want to come to nine to five and switch off and, and clock off and go at the end of the day and you don't care? 
And that's not to say that you have to always be switched on. It's about having this passion that transcends, I'm just here to do a job. It's, it's do you really want to make a difference? Do you want to make an impact? Is this something that you feel very strongly about and feel very passionate about? Because that will come across in an interview. So I think for me, those are the three things that are, are key. You have to be able to show and, and demonstrate that in an interview. I find less and less people being stuck up or hung over on technical concepts because again functional knowledge can be learned you can go on so many websites and you can learn about green energy green building design sustainable finance recycle pet technology water conservation there's a there's a bunch of information out there so functional knowledge can be learned it's always those skills the the soft skills uh, and then in, and engaging with an interviewer to show them that they, these are the, the top three skills that we're looking for in a role that's transferable in any role, whether I worked in finances, whether I worked in supply chain, uh, whether I worked in engineering, um, that I have this ability to work with people, collaborate externally, communicate, uh, be a lifelong learner, uh, and engage with a passion for what I'm doing. Those transcend any function, right? And I, and I think it's true even in sustainability. So for me personally, if I were interviewing somebody for a role that I had, these are the things that I would look at. Brilliant. I've got a feeling you might get a load of CVs after this conversation. Uh, so watch out. <laughs> That's absolutely yeah, brilliant. You're gonna have <laughs> you'll have an army of people joining your team. Charmaine, thank you so much for your time and also for that really great end that's so practical to actually go and prepare for a job you know to know that really it's passion transferable skills around learning communication stakeholder management in so many roles and especially in our lives by the time we're in our 40s as well you have to be learning you have to communicate you have to navigate ambiguity don't you so I think it's very reassuring to know that those skills are transferable along with the amount of information that's out there to actually learn the functional areas as well. So thank you so much. I think that a career in sustainability is the way to go. <laughs> yes, I would say so, but I could be a bit biased. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, we're, we, we sound like teachers' pets, don't we? You know, that's uh, if your boss is watching this, I'll say, you've done a great job. Um, <laughs> Thank you so much for um, spending your time with us. And if possible, can I add your details to the bottom of this, uh, to the podcast, if people want to follow you and see what you post about? Absolutely. I'm more than happy to help. Uh, I know we all started our career looking for some guidance, coaching, mentoring, sponsorships in the beginning. Uh, and it's great to be where we are right now in our fabulous 40s with the ability to do that for others. So I'm happy to share details and get into contact with anybody that either wants help or guidance or redirection uh, in whatever capacity I can help. And thank you for having me. Wonderful. Thank you so much. Really appreciate you spending this time. So uh, take care and we look forward to seeing what you do next. Thank you. Take care. Bye-bye.